Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Notice the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. He said, Pastor Mark, I don't like forgiveness. I don't like it either. But understand what it's about. It means undeserved, unmerited, and free. In the middle of that word is the word give. When we forgive someone, we give it free without any strings attached. Forgiveness is hard to give even in what may be thought of as minor offenses. Forgiveness requires letting go of hurts, even small ones. That's something that most people have difficulty with. David's commander, Joab, had a problem with forgiving Abner, who had killed Joab's brother in wartime. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the dangerous consequences of unforgiveness. Although they might not result in actions like the one Joab took, they may, nevertheless, result in your heart attitude going in the same direction. God does not differentiate between thought and action. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 3 as he continues with his series called The Life of David. Here we begin to see the real power. We begin to see what's really happening. Israel's weakness is apparent. In the north, Ishbosheth, Saul's son, he has no power. He has no ability. He's definitely not the right kind of a leader. Abner had his clear designs on what was going to happen. When they begin fighting, all of a sudden, Abner shows his real strength. He gets angry, decides he's going to go, forget you, I'll show you power. I'm going to bring the whole kingdom to David. Watch me. Again, a prideful thing. Verse 12. Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to say to David, whose land is it? Make an agreement with me, and I will help you bring all Israel over to you. And I will help you bring all Israel over to you. Let's stop and think about that for a moment. Does God need any help? Abner doesn't get it. By the way, David isn't trying to bring the kingdom over. He's waiting on God. David did a lot of things wrong. That was the right way. He wasn't trying to make it happen. But somebody else is trying to make it happen. God didn't need any of this. But you'll see how he works it out. Verse 13. Good, said David. I will make an agreement with you. Sounds pretty good with me. The war stopped. There's no more killing. That's a good thing. The civil war. Well, good. If you're willing for me to do what God's already called me to do, I'll take it. But I demand one thing of you. Do not come into my presence unless you bring Michael, daughter of Saul, when you come to see me. Now, 
Then David sent messengers to Ithbosheth, son of Saul, demanding, Give me my wife, Michael, whom I betrothed to myself for the price of a hundred Philistine foreskins. So Ishbosheth gave orders and had her taken away from her husband, Paltiel, son of Laish. Her husband, however, went with her, weeping behind her all the way to Behrim. Then Abner said to him, Go back home. So he went back home. That's like as the world turns or something there is what that's kind of like. Whatever. God help us. Channel 6 forever. You can read in four weeks later, nothing changes. It's still going on. Now, when you look at David, I mean, let's just talk about this for a moment. Abner, true to, the, true to that threat, notifies David. Hey, I'd like to bring the two kingdoms together. David says, okay, on one condition. You've got to bring my wife, Saul's daughter, back to me. Now, remember, she was David's first wife. That was kind of a thing Saul did. And when David began running from Saul, because Saul was trying to kill him, all of a sudden, Saul took Michael away from David when he was gone and gave her to another man to be married. So why did David put this part of the bargain deal in? Here he's breaking up another marriage. Let me ask you a question. Did David really need another wife? Many people look at this and think that David did it for a bad reason. We can't judge. I don't know. Maybe David did it for political reasons because his wife would have been Saul's daughter. So people are thinking, well, what do you have right to have it? No, I married the daughter and it's, it's okay. There's nobody else to take it over and here I am. So verse 17, Abner conferred with the elders of Israel and said, For some time you have wanted to make David your king. Now do it. For the Lord promised David, By my servant David I will rescue my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spoke to the Benjamites in person. And he went to Hebron to tell David everything that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin wanted to do. Now when Abner, who had 20 men with him, came to David at Hebron, David prepared a feast for him and his men. Then Abner, at this great feast, said to David, let me go at once and assemble all Israel for my lord the king, so that they may make a compact with you, and that you may rule over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. So You know who the power is there. The power is Abner. His political power was there. He convinces the 11 tribes up north. He says, you know who's supposed to be king? David. So he convinces them. And he comes down, makes a covenant with David, and submits himself to David, and basically submits himself to God. Now, the king knew this was right. The people knew that David was to be their king. So now we have peace in the nation. Civil war is done. Even though it's done with a a funky way, it is peaceful, it is done, and that's what God wanted. So the nations are no longer going to be, you'll see, civil war. So God's will was done there. Now look at verse 22. Just then David's men and Joab returned. Remember, Joab is the army general for David. Just then David's men and Joab returned from a raid, the Philistines, the enemies, and brought with them a great deal of plunder. But Abner was no longer with David in Hebron because David had sent him away and he had gone, notice this, in peace. So everything was solved. 
Everything was done. And verse 23, when Joab and all the soldiers with him arrived, he was told that Abner, son of Ner, had come to the king and that the king had sent him away and that he'd gone in peace. So Joab went to the king and said, what have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he's gone. You know Abner, son of Ner. He came to deceive you and to observe your movements and find out everything you are doing. Now, why is Abner angry? A number of reasons. First, he's a military man. He's powerful, wise, skillful, many talents, many friends even in northern Israel. So if Abner was responsible for bringing the other other tribes to David, what is Joab thinking? Hmm, my ability with David has just gone down about 50%. This guy, Abner, is raising up. I mean, there's no war, and he brought all 11 tribes down. So politically, Joab's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, there's going to be a change. If David puts the kingdom all together, I might be out of a job. Second, more importantly, Joab never forgot that Abner killed his brother Uh, Ashiel in one of the battles. Now remember, we didn't go through that in detail, but really Abner tried to do everything he could to keep from killing that young man, but he kept coming after him. So he says to David, without any of these personal reasons, obviously he's not making himself known, but David, you've been tricked. We had a spy here. He's a double agent. What is wrong with you? Verse 26. So Joab then left David and sent messengers after Abner. And they brought him back to the well of Sirah. Verse 26. But David did not know it. Now let's just stop there for a moment. A king is the man in authority. This is David. Joab is supposed to be a servant to who? The king. But Joab has become the king. Joab's making his own decisions. And you're going to see he's going to carry out his own plan. See, that's always the way Satan works. And where does he usually work from? But inside. Where do we find our problems in the church very often? Not here, God's blessed us, but normally from the inside. When Paul was speaking to the Ephesian elders, he says, when I leave, people from the outside are going to come in, and people from the inside are going to come in and try to destroy you. So remember, Satan's goal is what? Steal, kill, and destroy. God wants to unite. Satan always wants to divide. Remember that. Why are the marriages so poor in our churches? Because Satan loves to divide. And you're going to see that here's Joab. His colors are being truthful. And David, who's his king, doesn't know anything about it. Verse 27. Now when Abner returned to Hebron... Joab took him aside into the gateway, as though to speak with him privately. Now, who's the one that's deceitful? And there, to avenge the blood of his brother, Ashiel, Joab stabbed him in the stomach, and he died. So the one who's really deceitful was not Abner, Joab. He engineered getting Abner Outside of Hebron, we don't have time tonight, but Hebron was a city of refuge where anybody could go 
And of course, Abner could have been safe in that city, and he murdered him. So what have we seen in just these few verses we read tonight? Since we've been talking about the schemes of Satan, what have we seen? We've seen deceit. Deceit isn't from God. God's truth. We've seen jealousy. We already see that rising its ugly head. We see unforgiveness. If Joab would have talked to Abner, Abner would have said, look, I did everything I could do to keep that young man from being killed. We see tonight revenge, and we see murder. None of those things are fruit of the Spirit. They're all things that enemy brings into our life. Now, let's talk about a few of those quickly tonight. Um, You're here. I'm here. Life was painful for Joab. Life was painful for David. Life was painful for Abner and Ishbosheth. Life is painful for all of us. Being hurt in a lot of different ways is absolutely unavoidable. If you think you're going to find a place where you can go and it's a safe place and you'll never be hurt again, that's going to be a little cave where you're only there and nobody else is going to be there because that's just not possible. Life comes with humans. Humans come with hurt because we fail and we sin. We hurt others. They hurt us, sometimes intentional, sometimes unintentional, really like this young man was murdered. wasn't intentional at all with Abner. Sometimes we, we sin, other times the other person sins. So turn with me to Mark eleven twenty five. Just keep your finger. We'll be right back there. Let's talk about one of the big ones tonight because this is what Joab did to Abner. He got deceitful. He got jealous. And it was all be- in this revenge and murder all came for one reason. He wouldn't forgive. Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, why would Jesus make that kind of a statement? Because Jesus himself understood hurt, unforgiveness, revenge, and bitterness. Jesus understood those personally. Jesus understood you and I. The normal reaction when someone hurts us, trespasses on our rights, is that they owe us big time, especially if we've really suffered. We want revenge. You know the word, payback. We've all been there. We think that our hurt will go away if we can pay them back. But that's wrong thinking. Unforgiveness is the single most popular poison that Satan uses against God's people. I believe, as I've been a pastor for many years, and of course before that in the church since I'm a young man, it's one of the deadliest poison a person can ever take. Notice the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. He said, Pastor Mark, I don't like forgiveness. I don't like it either. But understand what it's about. It means undeserved, unmerited, and free. In the middle of that word is the word give. When we forgive someone, we give it free without any strings attached. On the cross, what did Jesus say? Forgive them 
for they know not what to do. Did they deserve it? Absolutely not. Was it free? Yes. His forgiveness was available for them. They didn't deserve it. There was no strings attached. So to forgive a person is to set someone free from the debt that they owe you because of the wrong that's been done to you. You're actually canceling their debt. To forgive them means to release them from that debt. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4. You say, Pastor Mark, I can't do that. Very often, all of us pastors deal with this, and of course, we deal with it personally, not just other people. We have the same hurts, because we get hurt just like everybody else. But when we deal with this, very often we'll hear somebody say this, I know I should forgive, but I cannot forgive. Well, that's incorrect. It's not that you can't, it's that you won't. Remember, remember, justification, sanctification. What is sanctification? It's God giving me what? The power to say no to sin. Giving me the power to do what God's word asks me to do. Well, when you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, let's get on to verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even, here's the key, if you've never underlined it, just underline the last part of these words, even as God in Christ forgave you. So why do I have to forgive? Well, number one, it's a commandment. Number two, God requires forgiven people to forgive. How did I get forgiven? God forgave me. Did I deserve it? No, I did not. So if I nurse a harsh, vindictive attitude toward others, I cannot expect God to hear me and answer me. Many times, all kinds of physical things are going on in people's lives. Not all, but many. Because people hold unforgiveness and bitterness. Outside the Christian realm, our world hospitals are filled with people with all kinds of diseases. If you go right on back, many of them go right back to the root of bitterness. And what does the root of bitterness come from? Anger and unforgiveness. Anger, anger management. Much of anger comes from unforgiveness. Something in the past that individual will not forgive, will not release them. They don't deserve it. I won't do it. I wasn't treated fairly. And because of that, they're always angry at everybody. It came usually from a lifestyle where somebody hurt them and they have refused to forgive them. So because God came, he came to give me the power over sin while I'm still living because I have that kind of feeling in my heart, just like you do. Easy for me to be unforgiving. It takes a while for that to turn into bitterness, but that's the path that it goes to. So I'm able to forgive because I know that God, number one, forgave me. Number two, I'm able to forgive because God has given me the power to forgive. Notice it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. God never asks me to do something I can't do. Easier said than done, but can be done. 
The world would say, no way, get even. God says, no way, forgive. Pastor Mark, how long will I have to do that? Are you around people? Are you married? Do you have teenagers? Forever. Forever. I used to say this a lot. I haven't been in this passage for a while. Life is too short to live in unforgiveness. It just destroys you. It absolutely destroys your joy, your peace. Life is just too short. So God will do this. Here's what I want you to write down, then we'll move on. Forgiveness, not payback, is what sets us free from pain and suffering. See, we have the world's idea. If I can pay back, then I'm free. No, no, no. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Forgiveness, not payback, is what sets us free from pain and suffering. People that talk against us, people that say things against us, no, it isn't right. People that do things against us, no, it isn't right. But I have to learn to forgive. Now, I don't have time because this is a very complicated subject. I mean, it's simple in the command. It's complicated to follow. And I wrote a whole book on it. It goes through and all kinds of things. Because some people think, well, if I forgive somebody, then I have to stay in that marriage where they abuse me and they beat me and whatever. Absolutely not. All right. As I use the illustration in the book, one of my pastor friends went into business with somebody and he took them for everything, bankrupt the business. Now, did that pastor have to forgive that person? Yes, he did. Did he? Yes, he did. Would you go in business with him tomorrow morning again? No, that's stupid. But you forgave him. You forgave him. So understand the difference. And again, you'll have to get the book and you can follow that through. It's called Prison Break, in case you don't know. All the prophets go to me. No, all the prophets. (laughs) None of them go to me. They all go to the missions. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Back to 2 Samuel. Verse 28. I wish we knew the whole story, because I'm sure there's some things that we just put in here because it's none of our business. But how is David going to take this when he hears? Now remember, Joab did this deceitfully. It wasn't David's wish at all. Later, verse 28, when David heard about this, he said, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner, son of Ner. Why is David saying this? What does David think is going to happen? When the northern kingdoms hear that Joab has killed their commander-in-chief, the general, they think they want to join them together? They're going to go, this, this civil war is going to go on forever now. There's no way I'm going to be able to go up there. They're thinking, I manipulated this. I did this to get us together. It was exactly the opposite. Verse 29. So may his blood fall upon the head of Joab. Whoa. What we sow, we reap. And upon all his father's house. May Joab's house never be without someone who has a running sore leprosy. Or one who leans on a crutch or falls by the sword. Or who lacks In today's message, Pastor Mark reminded you of the spiritual war that's behind all of these stories you've been taught. It's important to remember that evil men like Joab take the actions they do because they haven't allowed God to rule their lives. Failing to forgive, as in Joab's case, can allow anger and bitterness to fester in your heart with terrible consequences. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. In his next teaching, Pastor Mark will continue unpacking the life of David. He will keep on speaking about forgiveness and unforgiveness, as well as about doing what's right in God's eyes. He will illustrate how David's words and actions after the murder of Abner by Joab and Abishai, because his behavior was godly, pleased the people of the north and possibly helped prevent further warfare. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.